Hello, you're listening to Home Talk with Greg McKim on Tuesday, November 19th, 2019. If you're listening on a different date, then this show was either pre-recorded or rebroadcast. Hi, my name is Greg McKim, your host. I was just bobbing my head along with my producer here, Eric, to the little theme song that he picked for my show. Thank you, Eric. And it reminded me of that. What's that movie? It's a catchy theme. It is, it is a catchy yeah. one, yeah. yeah. What was that movie? Um, Night at the Roxbury with Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and, and they're going down the going down the road, and they're bounce, bouncing their heads, and one sure. of them breaks the window. To what is love by yes, Hathaway. to what is yes. love. That's the one. Yeah, that's yes. exactly right. So we're kind of like we should put on those little. Uh, what the, are those? The, like, you want the purple suits, the purple with the <laughs> like, turtlenecks, yeah. and uh, and uh, necklaces. <laughs> yeah, and the high gloss. It's like a, a shiny. I don't know if it's polyester or a super nice material, but that was those are pretty funny movie, man. I liked it. So, what is home talk? If you're just tuning in, or even if you've heard before, on this show, I talk about just about anything related to owning a home, such as buying, selling. In financing, insurance, remodeling, flipping, rentals, condos, townhomes. If it's a home, we talk about it. I've worked in real estate since the 1970s in some capacity. Started out as a carpenter, pouring concrete, that sort of thing. Owned a mortgage company at one time. I am a licensed real estate broker with Rockwell Realty and VP of Mortgage Lending at Legacy Group Capital or a private equity lender and a residential home loan lender here in Bellevue. My loan originate or originator license number is 106202, and the Legacy Group Capital license is 99045. So why did I start and why do I do this show? I have a goal, and that is to use my knowledge and experience to help people just like you make good financial decisions about buying, selling, and owning homes. It's a very emotional decision fraught with lots of concerns and, and, and worries, and it, it partly is emotional because when you live in a home, it's your, it's your life. But it's also financial, and I focus mainly on the financial side, although I do recognize and respect the emotional side. There are other real estate shows out there, a lot of good shows. I try to make mine different. I think I do because I discuss things that you typically won't hear the mortgage and real estate industry talk about. Would you agree with that, Eric, from you've listened to me so far, or am I just making that up? No, I agree with that. <laughs> okay, you get to keep your job now. No. Oh, good. But, no, but I mean, I do. I really try to share things, and I do, that I've been doing this 28 years, and I don't see readily available to the, to the general public. Right. So, um, of course, I don't know anything about homes, and I bring in guests off and on. Don't have a guest today. It's just going to be me and you. And if you'd like, please feel free to call in. Our number here at 1150 AM KKNW is 425-373-5527. Again, 425-373-5527. I'll be here from 3 to 4 today and every Tuesday from 3 to 4. When I'm off air, you can reach me on my cell at 206 206- Two five zero six five four five again two zero six two five zero six five four five or email Greg M that's G R E G M at legacyg.com L E G A C Y G dot com or visit legacyg.com and last but not least you can listen to prior shows by podcast at eleven fifty kknw.com under audio archives. In fact, today on my show, I am going to do a recap of those shows because if you've not listened before or if you've listened off and on, I'd like to give you some idea of what you could go back. It's like a library of information that you can go through at your leisure to learn about how to shop for a mortgage, how to sell a home, what's a reverse mortgage all about, roofs, how to... How to um, find a contractor to, to remodel or build a house, estate planning. There's all kinds of topics we cover, and that information is available for you at your leisure and discretion at 1150 AM or 1150KKNW.com under audio. Uh, audio, I did it. I said audio. 
I don't know what it is with that word. It's like Sally sells she sells at the seashore. <laughs> That's right. And you could just say podcasts. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, just, just podcast. To make it easy. Yeah. Yeah, because I can't do that. You don't need the tongue all. twister. That's right. And it actually says podcasts on the website now. It does. So, yeah. yeah. And there's a couple of ways you can get to it. I, I mm-hmm. really, yeah. But and you'd look for home talk with Greg McKim. Yeah, or you can subscribe to it on pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah. Well, thanks yeah. for sharing that. So if you use Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or you know Podcast One, SoundCloud, they're all there. You can subscribe to Home Talk with Greg McKim. Cool. Okay, thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate it. We try and make it easy. Yeah, well, you do a good job of it. So on today's show, as I mentioned, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the recap of my other shows, give you sort of a table of contents of things you might be interested in looking into. But before I do that, I am going to do a little recap of the interest rates, which I like to do each show. And I have today brought dozens and dozens of news stories from various real estate and mortgage subscriptions that I that I um, subscribe to, subscriptions I subscribe to. That makes sense, doesn't it? And some of these you just don't find in, in the regular news outlets. And so if you're driving down 405 right now or Highway 18 or wherever you are, this will be some inf- information that you might not have n- learned anywhere else. So interest rates, it's a topic that comes up a lot. I thought it'd be kind of interesting to take interest rates from, I didn't go back a year, but I will look, I have a rate sheet here from December of 18, and rates have dropped since then on a standard 30-year fixed rate mortgage for loans under about 700000 Loans above that usually cost more. And the rates across the board have dropped by about 0.625%. And they bounce up and down a little bit. So like last week, they were about eighth higher than they are today. But they got to about that point. Let me take a look here at my rate sheets. And they've stayed there. Eh. I'm looking back. I got October. Let's go back a little bit further. About April. That's when they, and they've been hovering right around there before the Fed cut. Now, what is the point purpose of telling you that? Rates are still at a historic low. The lowest I've ever seen them in my 28-year career is about it was September, October 13. They dipped down almost into the, you, you, could, you could get a 30-year mortgage below three without paying a lot of points for it. That lasted for about a week. But these are pretty close to that. So if you're looking to refinance or thinking about buying, rates are in your favor. Of course, there's other reasons and factors for refinancing. We talked about that on a show a while back, remember, Eric? When you should refinance or consider yes. doing that. Yeah. yeah. I forget what show that was. Um, alternative loan options, all about loans. Yeah, I don't remember which one it was. So. Well, I think that's an ongoing topic. It is an ongoing topic. On a that's few true. shows, yeah. That's true. So, Eric, I'm going to let you choose. You're going to tell me, do you want me to go through, I'm going to talk about some of my prior shows and some highlights. Mm-hmm. Or do you want me to jump into some of these news stories about what the real estate market's doing and some other things that are going on? You got a preference? I think we should uh, talk about the news and then the news. move on. Yeah, That's what we're going to do. Okay. So as a real estate broker, I'm a member of the Multiple Listing Service. Now, for most people are somewhat familiar with that, but there are people out there that are not familiar with it. As a real estate broker, I don't have to belong to the Multiple Listing, ser- listing Service. In fact, in order to do that, I have to pay dues. I think it cost me about $900 a year. And the idea behind the the listing service is that this is a place where we can gather and compile and and share information with everybody in the market or in the real estate industry. It used to be that that was off limits to the consumer. In fact, when my mom got in the business in the early 60s, um, there's no way. You you had about a three-inch book that you'd check out that had all the listings in it, and it was updated once a week. Of course, black and white photography. Didn't have cell phones either. But uh, Maxwell Smart had one, but my mom didn't have one. So, um, of course, that might have gone over some people. It was just two cans and a string. No, his then. was a shoe. It was in his <laughs> no, heel I was talking shoe. about you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, thanks. That's about right. That's <laughs> but, smoke signals. Yeah. That's, that's funny. So, um, so but then, yeah, I remember from. Yeah. Uh, and I do remember, I remember when I got in the business, which is in 91, before the MLS was on the internet, before it was on the computers, actually. And those books were, you know, they're gold. If you walked out with one of those books and didn't bring it back, you, you know, you were in trouble. So this, this, the, the listings that, that real estate real estate brokers and agents have put together over the last hundred years, whatever it is, were very valuable information because, yeah. you know, we and we didn't let consumers see it. But there was a shift in the really in the 
late 90s. Back then, did it take significantly longer for uh, a housing purchase to go through based oh, on the fact that you didn't? Everything took longer. Yeah. When I got in the business in 91, 92, it would take sometimes three to four months just to get an appraisal done. Wow. <laughs> that was one of the biggest refi booms ever. There was no automation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, they wouldn't. if somebody walked into me and handed me a typed loan application, they would reject it and say, go back and write it in hand in blue ink. Because they, that was, somehow that was more valid, right? verifiable. You know? And so I have these really super detail-oriented people that would come and see, look at what I've done. I say, well, I can't use it. And they, look, they, they give me a, a kind of a funny look. I say, sorry, I can't use it. But, yeah. It's not in blue ink. Okay, now that we're off, <laughs> we're, not, we're not going to the news stories, but this is, this is a little bit of a history. So when I got in the business, I did everything by hand, a yellow notepad, a calculator, right? And I, everything was handwritten. I'd walk out, I, I'd drive to somebody's house, do a loan application, take it in, and somebody else would take all the information with, with carbon paper and type everything up so you could read it. And that was called an, like an input person. Then they'd hand it to a processing assistant who would have, who'd hand it to a processor, who would start generating documents and ordering things, who would then send it to a lender that went to a setup person. So we're on person number, what, four now, right? Me, the other four, five, right? And then they would hand it to a processor assistant who would hand it to an underwriter, so you're about number six. The whole thing could take a month before anybody looked at it. <laughs> now, I take your information, upload it to Fannie Mae Freddie Mac, who makes the final decision anyway. It, I get an automated decision in two minutes. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I can tweak it to make it work. Sometimes it's like, oh, you know, if, I, if, they, if they had a little bit more money, they could do this. Mm-hmm. I got to raise the, lower the sales price. And then when the lender's ready to do stuff, I upload everything to them. And I have lenders right now. I, I, I send a loan in, and they, they give me a final decision the next day. <laughs> so anybody that thinks like, oh, boy, this is a lengthy process now, has no idea what it used to be. There are still yeah. lenders out there that take a long time. Yeah. There's, there's, there's degrees of efficiency. The, the one that we particularly like to work with the most is, is the most efficient lender I've ever seen. They've become the number one lender in the United States because of it. They're unbelievable. Um, so that's, it's pretty interesting. So let's go back to the news story. So here's a publication I got off on a tangent. I've never done that before. Never done it. I'll go off on a tangent about going off on tangents. <laughs> it happens to the best of yeah, us. Yeah, well. So this is, a, this is an article that was published in the, uh, this is the actual called the November press release from the multiple listing service. I'm going to read it verbatim. So people are moving here. Home prices will continue to increase. Inventory shortages will occur. That's our future, remarked Dick Beeson. He's a principal broker at REMAX and Gig Harbor. And active listings of homes and condos total about 14 grand, the lowest level since April. Okay, so supply and demand is a big thing. We're starting to see a shrinkage in inventory again. That's compared to a year ago, April. Uh, compared, excuse me, it's down. It's it's the lowest level since this April of nineteen. Compared to last year, which is October of two thousand eighteen, inventory is down twenty one percent, and it's down ten percent from from this September. So. That's not good for home prices if you're buying. It's good for home prices if you're selling, but that's a catch-22. So the bottom line here is there's still pressure. We did have that dip, which, for instance, um, let's take a look here. Oh, here's a positive note. System-wide, October sales were up 5.6%, closed sales up 4.1%, and prices up about 7.5% from a year ago. So if that's positive, I mean, that's positive. depends on how you want to spin it, right? If you're buying versus selling. So um, this, is, this is Beeson continuing. The sustained lower levels of supply are driving some buyers crazy as they keep expecting things to switch back in their direction. It's just not happening. We've settled into some sort of, he calls, circadian rhythm, you know, that's, but of, of, how, of, of, of how the market's working. It used to be that we'd settle into these markets where it was kind of a balance between buyer and seller. This is years and years ago. It'd be up four to six months inventory, but but now we're we're in we're staying in about the two month inventory, and that that really makes it hard for prices to stabilize because there's more buyers than, than inventory, and um, then continue this with positive economic news locally. For instance, there's a positive forecast for job creation. Interest rates are low. There's new condo projects in the pipeline, which is actually helpful for buyers. But all these things put together 
our balanced inventory is now about two months instead of four to six months. And that's not good for buyers. It's good for sellers. So here's um, the president of Windermere Real Estate. He also commented on the meager supply. His name's O.B. Jacoby. Tis the season for the number of homes for sale to start dropping. Of course, this is what happens in the holidays. People don't want to sell their homes in the holidays as much, unless they really have to. Who wants to have people tromping through their house, mud, dirt, you know, leaves blowing in? And um, we don't expect to see a significant influx of new inventory until next spring, and that's pretty standard, by the way. You typically will see home, home inventory drop this time of year and pick up back in spring. In fact, a lot of people will just give up and take their home off the market right now and then reintroduce it back next spring unless they got to move. So um, the John, um, Lennox, J. Lennox Scott, chairman of John L. Scott, says, as we enter the last two months of the year, we see a pressure cooking developing in the more affordable and mid-price ranges. And that's because, again, the same, same story over and over again. So with strong job growth and interest rates in the threes, we can expect healthy appreciation. Now, I had a buyer yesterday talking to me, young guy. He's saying, I'm going to wait till the next downturn, and we're going to talk about this some more. The question is, when is it coming? And, you, you know, if you wait and the prices go up, 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 and it turns down a little bit, have you, have you gained anything? So you've probably heard me say this once or twice, Eric. And this is what I said to him yesterday. I said, buy a house, keep it for 10 years, and don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And then he replied with a quote that he attributed to Warren Buffett, which I thought was really nice. He says, it's not the timing of the market. It's your time in the market. Mm. And you know the story about Warren Buffett, right? He's, he's just Mr. Buy and Hold. He, yeah. finds, he finds companies that are well-run, profitable, have long-term success. He buys and holds the stocks. And, you know, he's one of the richest men in the world doing it. While other people right. have been playing games, writing computer programs, dancing around, timing everything, trying to make a killing. And he just, you know, he's like, it's like the tortoise and the hare in a way, right? Yeah, and he's made his money off in investments, so if anybody knows, you know, how to make money off of investments, yeah. it's probably the multi-billionaire Warren Buffett. I would think. Yeah. And that quote that he made was more about equities and stock positions than mm-hmm. it was homes. But I liked it. It's, it's, it's the time in the market, not timing the market. Right. And so I will repeat it again. If you ever listen to my show, I can give you all kinds of, of pr- uh, predictions about what's going to happen. But if you're going to buy a home, try to figure out some way to hold that property for 10 years or longer. Then you don't have to worry about all this stuff. You're buying a home and you're going to live in it for one to five years. It's just like going to Vegas. Too much risk and too much cost. There's a lot of cost to get in and out. So, but this, people want to know what's going on and that's what's going on. We are definitely having another little spike. Now it's very, it, it is area specific. Like for instance, with the recent move of Amazon into Bellevue, we got Facebook coming over here, some other things coming on. Um, the East side prices are going up faster than other areas, than Seattle, for instance. Um, and I'll give you a couple of um, area examples. There were, year to year, that would be October 18 to 19, there was a 20% drop in prices in Vashon Island, but west of I- 405 in Bellevue, it was a 21% increase over the year. So there are pockets, but you know, people. the reason that, of course, it went up one place, went down, because it goes up where people want to live or more people work, that sort of thing, right? So those are some general stats. I would say that, you know, when we're going to have a recession, um, in fact, I've got some news stories about that, but let's jump into the next news story. i got lots here, Eric, to read. It's really exciting stuff. <laughs> Good. we we still got about 35 minutes. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll fill yeah. it up, man. So here's an article by a gentleman by the name of Ryan Smith. It was published 13th of this month, and it comes from... Um, the Mortgage Professional Association magazine, which I subscribe to, it's about Federal Reserve. And the, the, the caption is, Fed to stay course through 2020? Question mark. The Federal Reserve looks set to keep monetary policy on hold through 2020, according to market watchers, a strategy that would break with election year precedent. Now, there's a, I don't know why he said there's a election year precedent, because if you go back through history, there's a general, there's this, I guess, I think misplaced or inaccurate conception that rates are usually dropping in the presidential year to help the incumbent. And if you go back and look at history, it's not true. So I'm not sure why he starts this out. But he says the Federal Reserve is likely to single 
during testimony before Congress today, and that happened on the 13th, and that's exactly what did happen, by the way. So I'm a little bit behind. The, the, this news is a little late. That they're going to keep monetary policy on hold for now, and that is exactly what the Fed did. And um, so he goes on to say, and maybe he'll refute what I just said, the Fed has changed policy in one direction or the other for each of the last 10 presidential election years. Okay, that's what he was getting at. The, the misconception is that the Fed drops rates in election years, and that's not true. But in the last 10, they've changed the direction of the rates in that year, and that's just pure coincidence because the, the Fed is not politically, um, well, you could argue that, I guess, but as a general rule, they're not politically mo- uh, politically swayed. So right now, the Fed didn't move its benchmark rate. It's already at zero Um in two, uh, excuse me, while the Fed didn't move its benchmark rate already at zero in 2012, it announced its third round of large-scale asset purchases that year. So that was the one year that they didn't do an interest rate move. So um, the, the bank has cut rates three times this year, but many expect it's cut. This has been the last one for a while, that last one. Of course, Trump doesn't like that, but that's that's his business. So anyways, well, the projections are that the Fed's going to stay. Now, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, Federal interest rates do not dictate what mortgage rates do. In fact, they often go in the opposite direction. But what they do is they tell you what direction they think the economy is going. And that's what dictates mortgage rates, Eric. So if the economy is heating up and the Fed raises short-term rates, that'll, I mean, raises them, it'll often cause 30 more mortgages to drop because the Fed is trying to cool down the economy. If the, the, uh, when, the when the Fed drops rates, that'll often cause mortgage rates to go up because the Fed's trying to prime, prime the pump and heat the economy up. And what bondholders who own long-term mortgage rates look at is, how is my investment going to do over a long period of time? So anytime you're, you're seeing news that looks like the economy's heating up, likely your mortgage rates are going to go up. Anytime you see the economy slowing down, it's probably going to, they're probably going to drop. And if it's in a holding pattern, they're going to stay the same, which is about where it is. Okay. Here's another article. This one uh, written about in the title, written by a person named Steve Randall, same publication, MPA Magazine, Mortgage Professional Association. And this is that the next recession will be limited by housing market, says who? So we're going to find out who this is. <laughs> Tight inventory, especially amongst entry-level homes, is likely to support home prices in 2020. Now, this is nationwide, but it's still a good indicator. This is the latest Housing and um, Mortgage Market Review from ArchMI. And I am not familiar with ArchMI, so um, they, it must be an acronym for something. Oh, it's Arch Capital Services. They're the ones that write this. Okay, they write this Housing and Mortgage Market Review. They do analysis of data. And here they go on to say, quote, Unlike past recessions, there is now an extremely low inventory of homes. That's why we expect the price of entry-level homes to once again grow faster than incomes in 2020. Now, one of my little inserts here. There's always a point where when home prices, even with lack of inventory, if they outpace income far enough, buyers dry up. That just happens. One of the things that caught my attention back in 2006 and 7 is when my fairly well-heeled, well, actually very well-heeled buyers would come in and they couldn't afford a house without doing an interest-only loan. And I thought, something's wacky here. That means that their in, you know, the housing prices really outpaced and stripped incomes. In fact, there was analysis of that's one of the reasons it contributed to some of the mortgage meltdowns. When people can't afford it and they're getting into loans that they really shouldn't be in, right? Interest-only loans, that sort of thing. So um, first time, home buyers are still in a difficult spot because builders aren't constructing enough homes at the affordable end of the market. So, um, but that is the positive side because if we have an economic downturn and there's still an inventory shortage of homes, home prices might not and most likely won't drop as precipitously last time. And when there's a recession and you double whammy that with your house value going down, it really hurts people. Let's say you're unemployed for a little bit and your biggest asset no longer has value. That's, that's a double whammy. So... This is the this is the um, the prognosis that that this this particular author's writing, and they're they're also talking about risky markets. So, oh by the way, Arch, I figured out what Arch is. They're a mortgage insurance company. I just never heard of them. I know of a dozen of them. Just there's more than a dozen. I just never heard of them. And they they um, have indexes about the probability of a home price being lower in two years, and they said that that held steady in the third quarter of 19, the same as the previous quarter. 
So there are some areas that are higher and some that are lower, but it's pretty much state level across the country. So right now we're having Seattle's a, a booming market, but across the nation, that's a good thing. If we go into recession, I don't want to see people's home prices plummet. That's, that's adding injury to insult. So um, let's talk a little bit about mortgage delinquencies for all you um, your, your mortgage wonks out there who are probably just totally enthralled by this topic so far. How about you, Eric? Stuff keeping you awake? I, I wouldn't describe myself as a mortgage wonk, but uh, <laughs> I am enjoying uh, the information. Oh, I'm glad you like yeah. it. I mean, I'm trying to kind of do a broad sweep and then be specific to this area too. Sure. But uh, what I see overall is still a support. When somebody says, you think you're going you're gonna to see housing prices drop, I just don't see any data to support it. Mm. So that should be part of your decision-making process, yeah. whether you buy or sell. If you see clear data, you know, nobody's, no, nobody has a crystal ball. Right. But it, it just everything points to a strong, continued strong housing market, mm-hmm. which is actually a good thing. So um, loan performance. Now, this sometimes can be an indicator that people are in trouble. Which I, when people are in trouble, then houses go into short sale and, you know, we have neighborhoods that, you know, houses are boarded up and so forth because people have to, to leave them. And, uh, but delinquencies are still at a 20-year low, which is wonderful. That takes us clear back to, what, the late 90s? So um, the, the, um, there's, there's performance ratings that, um, let's take a look at this. Delinquencies were at, in August were 3.7% of loans. That's the lowest of any August in at least 20 years. Foreclosure inventory rate was down a little bit to 0.4%. So a delinquency, you know, Eric, is different than a foreclosure. Right. So less than 1% of homes are being foreclosed on in August of this year. That's, That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate, I know there's people that make a living off of it, and I get it. But I hate the whole foreclosure thing when people are getting kicked out of their houses. Yeah. I just, it's just, just you know, who wants to see that? Nobody wants to see that. So um, there were some small gains in some areas, but they're liking the 0.2%, 0.1%. Those are just, in my opinion, they're, just, they're almost insignificant. I mean, if you were to compare that to other factors in those particular areas, there might be some area of concern, you know, job, um, you know, loss of jobs, economic slowdowns. And I'm not saying there aren't some places that aren't hurting. But overall, it, it's an indicator that people are doing okay. Right. You could argue that, no, they're not. But I, I, that to me, that's an indicator. Um, job loss, of course, contribute contribute to loan delinquency, especially if you have limited savings. This is um, by this is a quote from a Dr. Frank Nothoft, uh, a, a chief economist at CoreLogic, who wrote this report. CoreLogic is a huge data collection company. In fact, we use them a lot in real estate. We use them for all, home values. They, they do credit reports, all kinds of stuff. So there's simpler areas, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Wisconsin, all had a slight bump in the foreclosure rates, remember in the 0.2, 0.1%, and that was uh, because of unemployment. There were some job losses in that area. And I have to say, I, my heart goes out to people who lose their jobs in those areas because they're not, they're just, things aren't as good there as they are here. So hopefully that can be turned around some way. Um, so as far as serious delinquencies go, and that's, you know, uh, loans that are past due over 90%. Um, that was a slight decline in that, too. So overall, those are pretty good stories so far. We've had a, a, a solid housing market across the country, which is good in case we hit a recession, and people's delinquencies are, are, are at an all-time low. Here's another some good news, and this is a, another article from Steve Randall, same publication, November 13, that borrowers saw an increased access to home loans. So what paraphrase that? easier to get a loan dependent upon your qualifications. So obtaining a mortgage should have been easier last month. Overall, as lending standards eased and new programs enabled certain borrowers to secure loans. The Mortgage Bankers Association's Credit Availability Index, (laughs) here's a mouthful for you, the MCA AI, it gained 0.9% to an index of 185 in October. And that's because lenders have loosened up a little bit on what they will accept for as a borrower based on their risk assessment. And, you know, we don't want to get to the point where you can fog a mirror, but when we swung away from those crazy loans back in the 2000s... Meaning anybody that was alive could get, qualify. That, that's what you say by <laughs> fog the mirror, right? Yeah. I'm, I remember I would get these... I would get these when, I owned, when I owned my mortgage company, we, we were approved about 100 lenders. Mm-hmm. You name the lender, we were approving them probably. 
And I get these ads from the lenders trying to solicit business from them. My favorite one ever is we will we will lend on this house, and it was a house floating down a river. <laughs> it was not a houseboat or a raft. Or anything. It was a, and, of course, it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but sure. they would do anything. Yeah, but that seems like a bad business strategy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to lend on a house that's Float, you know, going to make its way to the ocean. Yeah, and, maybe unless unless you think it's going to go up in value as it gets no, near the ocean front, you know, sure, you know, front. I don't waterfront know. property. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. expensive. Great. I I, I I I I wish I'd kept that because it was so funny. I just look at. It, come on, you're not going to really do that, right? Man. I don't know. But um, so there's there's. It, it, there's there's a been an, inc- an increase in the called conventional loan programs with lower credit scores, as well as for regular I mean regular people who are investors they buy rental properties Eric or second home loans, so um, that's all overall good for consumers. I couldn't give you the exact numbers on it. And I'm not going to get into the wonky enough about how they they measure this, but that's a positive thing. Um, Right now, I don't really see a major problem in the type of loans that are being offered consumers. They're not as crazy as they were back in those late 2000s. There are there are some rumblings about some different types of products. Let's give you an example. Let's say you came to me and you you couldn't provide pay stubs because you're self-employed in some way. I can get you a loan based on just your bank statements. And they look at your bank statements, say, for six months, 12 mm-hmm. months, and they just look at the cash flow, and they don't even care if it's a net profit. So if you had gross receipts in your bank account, and as long as they're positive instead of negative, they'll take that, or they'll take a percentage of it. So some of those things are a little iffy, but the lenders have worked them out, and so far we don't see a lot of delinquencies in that area. There's, they're, they're, they are higher than conventional loans, but they're higher risk and they're higher rates too. Uh, another really interesting loan, it's called an asset-based loan. There's only a few lenders that do it. But let's just say you don't have any income at all. Your income is Social Security or pension, and it's pretty low. But if you have assets, whether they're liquid, whether they're retirement, the lenders have formulas on calculating how much time or how long you would be able to live off those assets and make your home payment. And I've done loans like that for people. And usually it's a retired person who just doesn't have enough income, especially in this market to afford a house based on their income qualifications, but they have a lot of assets and they don't want to use the assets to buy the house. They want to dip into them instead, right? They don't want to take 300,000 out and buy the house or put a gigantic down payment on because then it's all locked up into the house. So you did, there's a formula for that. And that's a, that's an interesting loan. It's really can help people. Now here's a kind of an interesting article. So home, this is from a woman or named Candide Mendoza. This is November 14th home. Owners and appraisers nearly eye-to-eye in home value estimates. This one kind of surprised me. So, you know, most people think their house is worth more than it is. (laughs) And they look at Zillow and that kind of thing, and those things are all over the board. But according to Candide, for the third month in a row, so I guess that would have been August, September, October, the gap between the homeowner's estimate and appraiser's opinions continued to narrow. Appraisals of U.S. in October were an average of only 0.45% lower than what the homeowner expected, which to me is nothing. I mean, that's not even 1%. We're not, I'm talking 0.45%, not 45%, according to the National Home Price Perception Index, the HPPI. Line that up next to the MCIA or AI. <laughs> okay. Now, what I don't get, and I'll, maybe I'll read it ahead here. Maybe I should do that before I come on the show sometimes. But um, how do they know what the homeowner's perception is? I guess they must ask, right? So um, the results show that most homeowners are not likely to be shocked by their appraisals, which are less than 2% lower or higher than expected in all metro areas. The appraisals range from an average of 1.64% lower than projected in Chicago to an average of 1.4% higher. Okay, so now this is, I have done two loans in the last, actually I'm processing them right now, where both the appraisals were waived. This is more and more common. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have a database of the homes, and they look at the data, and they look at the, what we think the house should be worth, and I pull it from different sources. I use data, you know, I, I use uh, the core logic earlier I mentioned. That's the core logic data I use. And I say, I think the house is worth X because I'm in the business. And the lender said, we do too. That's fine. That's good for everybody because it reduces the cost to the borrower, right? Speeds up the time they don't have to pay for an appraisal, which is in the six to $700 range these days. They, 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 it saves time, which means you can lock your loan for a shorter period, which saves you money. So everything's good. And there's no big surprise. 
So there's what's, there are two downsides to it. The one downside to it is it hurts my appraiser friends because they don't get paid. And they, they deserve to get paid, but you know they're, they're figuring out ways to make a living. The other is there is the potential for a mistake, but they've built that in. That's, a, that's such a small downside, Eric. I'm not, not really paying attention to it. They've been doing this for quite a while. So while most areas, this is back to the article, most areas have not hit equilibrium for price perception. There's stability in much of the country, said Bill Banfield. He's executive vice president at Quicken Loans. Such a small difference between appraised and homeowner estimated values. Homeowners are less, like, less likely to run into snags in the mortgage process. And that's because when a, when a buyer or a homeowner comes to me and expects a value to be something that's unreasonable, they can get really disappointed when the, um, it comes in a lot lower, which still does happen, of course. So that's, uh, I think, of kind of an interesting story. Actually, in my world, the mortgage and real estate world, that's a fascinating story. So um, here's one I'm not as quite excited about. Mortgage originations, what that means is loans closed, push household debt to record high. This is by Ryan Smith, same publication, November 14. Household debt hit nearly $14 trillion in the third quarter, a record high driven largely by increase in mortgage loans. People treat their houses as piggy banks. I see it all the time. So that's pretty high. The index uh, debt was 13.95, which is the nearly 14 an increase of $92 billion from the second quarter. That's the 21st consecutive quarter debt has risen. And higher than the previous peak in the third quarter of 2008 of about $12, billion, $12 trillion. Now that, remember I've had mainly positive news here about the economy, housing market. I don't like this one. When people are, are borrowing to survive, it's not a good indicator. It means they don't have, they're not making enough money to pay their bills. Either that or they're getting crazy and buying things they don't need. It's probably a combination of both. So that's a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, mortgage balance, balances, which are the, the largest component of household debt, naturally, they are up $31 billion in the third quarter to a total of $9.44 trillion. And balances on home equity lines of credit, that's a second mortgage. You understand what those are, Eric. You, get a, you have a first mortgage, yeah. second mortgage, home equity lines, kind of like a credit card against your house. You can use it and reuse it, pay it off, reuse it which had been falling since 2009, dropped by $3 billion in the third quarter, bringing the act. So they, they fell, which I find kind of interesting. And I, I know why. Because those rates are actually higher now than a fixed rate mortgage. So if you had one that you've had for a couple of years and your rates in the fours are even higher, you'd say, why not get a, third, a, a fixed rate mortgage for under four and pay that thing off? Because first of all, it's a lower rate. Second, you get a fixed rate instead of something that can adjust up and down. So that's why that's gone down. It makes sense, too, if overall debt's not gone up. And it makes sense if the first mortgage debt's gone up. But the, whole, the thing is, is that overall mortgage debt's gone up and overall household debt's gone up, which I don't like. Uh, here's another repeat of delinquencies being low. Oh, here's, here's for you people out there who are that own rental properties. There are some services out there. I don't know who they are. This is an article by Kimberly Green. Again, MPA Magazine. And there's a website that I'm going to plug here. I don't know who they are, so hopefully they get some business. Rentals.com. Rentals.com announced the launch of an integrated tenant screening and background check feature utilizing a couple of services, one called Rent Spree and TransUnion's TransUnion Smart Move Screening Platform. So if you're an investor or if you own rental properties, this might be something to check out. Go to rentals.com. It allows landlords to send an application and screening request to prospective renters via a fully digital digital process. Completed applications and screening reports are generated and shared instantly with the landlord, reducing time to to uh, you know to to uh, vet the the t- potential tenant and giving renters um, a faster process. They're out right now. If it's a tight yeah. rental market, if you can get in and get approved and get things going faster, it benefits everybody. So rentals.com, check it out. By the way, there's a couple other services that I'm familiar with that a couple of my investors have used around here. So if you want to know about those, I've had really good success with my investors using them. Either email me or give me a call. My phone, 206-250-6545. Again, 206-250-6545. Or email me at Greg M. That's Greg M at LegacyG.com. Now, there's an article here that's 10 pages long I don't have time for. And it's about ways you can get out of your time share obligations. 
and this is interesting, I have never had any experience at timeshare, but I've known people run across them, and people feel like they're contractually obligated, and to some extent they are, but this article shows you ways to get out. So if you have a timeshare right now and you want out, I cannot give you legal advice, but I'd be more than happy to email you a link to this article, and you could bring it up to your attorney or look at it and think it through yourself. So um, shoot me an email if that's something you want to do, and I'll send it to you. So again, if you have a timeshare you want to get out of and you think you're stuck, then um, email me, G, I mean, excuse me, Greg M. That's G-R-E-G-M at LegacyG.com. And I am about done with the news. <laughs> okay, Eric, what do you think of that stuff? Yeah, lots going on, as usual. Well, you know, I got a lot of things to share. I just don't do it very often. Yeah. I'm going to have to check out that uh, rental screening thing because yeah. that sounds pretty convenient. It is. Um, and I do have some rentals. so. And I've got a couple yeah. other services that I referred to me by a person that has a lot of rentals that I've used with other people. And I found a person, too, that is the – I've looked for years for somebody that can really help people either looking for tenants or looking for properties. Mm-hmm. And I've connected her with three people now, and both on the landlord side and the tenant side, they've been ecstatic with her, her professionalism, her knowledge – Response. I mean, she gets back to me within minutes, and she knows the market inside and out. And those are those people can be really valuable. Absolutely. So I told you at the beginning of the show, I was going to give you a, a overview of the shows I've done. I started my first show January one of this. Was I really in here on New Year's Day? You were. Were you here? I was off. <laughs> <laughs> what was I doing? I was here. I was excited. So that show was a debut show, and um, Eric. Um, uh, Eric Crema. Crema, thanks. I, I always want to say Crema, but it's Crema. But Eric Crema, yeah. who's, the, who's the marketing manager here, he, he kind of just talked about what the show is all about. If you want to get an overview of the show, that's, a, that's one worth looking at. It's called the, or listening to the debut show. I'd say the next show, which aired on 1-8, which is called How to Shop for a Home Loan, is one of the most meaty shows that I've done because it's based on the four-hour seminar that I used to do. And I go through exactly what I would do. 28 years of experience. If I were to get on the phone today or start emailing or shopping for loans, I know exactly how to do it, the exact questions to ask, the pitfalls, what to look out for. I lay it all out. And if you want to learn more about that, I'd be happy to share it with you in experience. But I'll give you a couple of examples. Never, ever ask somebody for an interest rate quote. Don't do it. It doesn't work. If you want to learn more, listen to my show or call me and I'll tell you why you never do that. Never use the annual percentage rate, the APR, for any way, any reason, any way, shape, or form. It doesn't work either. It's got a mathematical flaw in it, and it's extraordinarily unuseful. I explain on that show, I think it was the six reasons or the six mistakes people make when they're shopping for a home loan. And then the six reasons, it might be seven or eight or five. I don't remember for sure. <laughs> I refine them every once in a while. While the banking industry doesn't share these things with consumers. And one of the main reasons is, They don't really want, I don't want to say this in a negative way, but the banking industry is in the business of marketing home loans, not in the business of educating consumers. There are many fine individuals, and I know a lot of them, who do take the time and energy to do it. But the banking industry in general is about getting loans in the door and closing and making a profit, not about educating consumers about how to shop them against their competitors. I have no problem helping my consumers or my clients shop me. In fact, I'd rather do it because then they feel like, They've made a good decision, and they're not getting cold feet and looking backwards after they get going. I also have routinely in my life referred people to others who are my competitors who I think have something better because what goes around comes around. So on that, that that's about it with the home loan. Um, on on J- January 15th, I had a, an old colleague in, and we talked about reverse mortgages, the pros and cons of those. They're a perfect fit for so many people. They're a terrible fit for some. Then I had an old schoolmate in on... Um, January 22nd, from he used to be a captain of the uh, Seattle Fire Department. We talked about fire safety. And it's surprising how much there is to talk about when it comes to fire safety. If you have any questions about that, listen to that show. You'll learn a few things. On January 29th, I had an old friend of mine, an old employee of mine, Sandra St. Louise. We talked about protecting yourself from identity fraud and, pers- and how, to, how to protect your privacy and your personal data. Wonderful show. Tons of great information. On February 19th, I didn't have a guest. I talked about something I have a lot of um, experience in, which is condos and homeowner associations, HOAs. I've owned and li- um, condos or some sort of a townhome HOA since 1987. I've been on boards as treasurer president. I'm currently a president. And there are a lot of wonderful, wonderful things about owning a property 
that's part of an HOA, and there's a lot of things you should look out for. There are some distinct differences between different types of HOAs. There are condominium HOAs and single-family home HOAs, and those differences sometimes aren't clearly understood by the real estate market so or real estate brokers. And so when you're working with one, you want to make sure they understand and you understand what it is you're buying into. Lots of information that you should be aware of before you ever buy into any sort of HOA. On uh, the 26th of February, I went into, hey, what would I do if I was helping one of my clients buy a house? Lots of tips on buying a home. For example, setting up certain parameters, making sure that you stick to those parameters and go and get carried away with something that really doesn't fit. I'll give you a great example of that. So I always start out with, here's, here's what are your parameters? Well, I got to have a two-car garage. And the reason why, and then we val- validate, that's important. We go out and look at a house that they love and has a carport, and they're thinking about buying the house. And I just say, why? And here, people, human beings aren't rational, and I, I'm, I'm not rational. We make decisions that are irrational all the time. And one of the things you want is you want a real estate broker that's kind of like the cranky uncle. He says, this doesn't make sense. Slap you a couple times. Wake up. Let's go look at a house that has a two-car garage. So that's part of the home. There's a lot of things to, that I teach on the home buying tips. On the March 5th, I had an old friend of mine in who is a, uh, been a, been a general contractor, commercial, residential, forever. And he talked about what he would do if he was going to get a, a contractor, how he would vet one for remodeling a home. On March 12th, I talk about selling a home. One of the big things that I like to do when I sell a home is make it so that the buyer doesn't have any potential contingencies. The most common contingencies that a buyer will have when they make an offer are the inspection, the appraisal, and the financing. But there's others, like if you have an HOA, you can have a contingency on reviewing the resale certificate. So as a seller, what I want to do is I want to remove all those. I want my buyer to make an offer and have those all gone in advance. I have a listing right now. So we already did an inspection, and we tell all the buyers, do not, we won't accept an offer with a financing contingency. I mean, excuse me, with an inspection contingency. Here's the inspection. Review it. Negotiate it up front. The reason for this, Eric, is that if you're a seller and somebody makes an offer and they have contingencies, every time that contingency comes up, like the inspection, the buyer can use it to renegotiate or walk away. Don't give them that ability. Now, on the flip side, if you're a buyer, you want to have that. But <laughs> this program, the program that I did on, on, on selling a home, which is on March 12th, is about how to sell a home. And that's one of the ideas. Um, on the 19th of March, I had a person in that has done maybe 20 roofs for me, uh, mainly at the association where I'm the president. And we just talked about roofs, different types of roof, quality of roofs, how to roof. Uh, on the 26th of March, I had my cousin, Stephen, and we talked about estate planning. That's what he does and how the home ownership and any type of property ownership falls into the estate planning process. On April 2nd, I had Ken Prestergaard and the owner of MGO Systems in talking about a new building product. Remember that one? The product that's made out of a type of a magnesium board. That's right. That very fire resistant. I super believe. fire yeah. resistant, mold resistant. It's a, it, it goes up faster. It lasts longer. It's a higher quality product. Mm-hmm. And overall, even though it's more expensive than wood, it's cheaper to install because of the time because they prefab them. Um, then we talked on the 9th of April about rehabilitation loans. So let's say you're out there right now looking and you see a house that's really a mess and you don't have the cash to fix it up, but there are loans out there where you can get a loan that will actually f- allow you to take a po- proceeds of the loan to remodel the house before you move in so it's livable. On the 7th of May, I talked specifically about home loan closing costs. What, what, why do you pay for a title? What is it? What's a recording fee? What's an underwriting fee? What, how can, what kind of fees can you negotiate, which are pretty much unnegotiable? Uh, and then on the 28th of May, we just talked about kind of the market, the home buying in Puget Sound in general, just what's going on with the market. Uh, the 6th of, of uh, actually, June 4th, we talked about blockchain technology in the real estate market. And I still don't understand that. <laughs> I was like, wow. He was my neighbor. He moved recently. Um, on 6-11, we talked about the loan buying process. And I'm a little confused. I think that was just me talking about how to shop for a loan a little bit more. I have to go back and read that one because the title sometimes I'm a little lost on, but I can take a look at that. On uh, 7-2, we talked about this service that tracks people that go in and out of your house as real estate brokers so you know exactly who's in your house and when they're there. Um, on July 30th, we talked a little bit more about the different types of loans that are available. I, I went through A to Z, the, the, uh, like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan, which is the one for the best borrower all the way down to the one that's floating down a river. 
all the different grades of loans, subprime loans, all those things. And then we talked on um, 827 about a, a lender that offers loans that are really outside the box that I, I hadn't been, been familiar with before. And then on 10-1, we talked about another building material. Ken came in again, and this time it was about another company he represents. It was called Falk Build, and they do interior prefab components, which are, again, less expensive because labor and things, and less wasteful, which is great for the, the carbon footprint. That's one of the things about prefab materials for building structures is that you have less waste. Um, on the 15th, I was bouncing off the walls after I finished the landmark forum, so I talked about personal growth. And my own and, and people uh, and, and I probably I must have talked five times faster than my normal fast rate that day. Eric, remember that? <laughs> I was just going crazy. <laughs> By the way, Landmark is just amazing. I'm still involved in their programs. And then last week, the sec, the twelfth, I had the the CEO of the company I started working for recently, Legacy Group Capital, Scott Rarusha, and he was in talking about what we do there. So there you go. That wraps it up. I did it all. Exciting stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you've got some great programs that people can check out. Oh, yeah, at, at Legacy Group Capital, you bet. Yeah. Yeah, Scott, I, I mispronounced his name all last well, time. Well, I meant the, the radio show or podcast. Oh, well, those, that people yeah. people can ch- check yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. Each one of those is like, you know, podcasts. Each, each one of those, if you delve into it, you'll learn something mm-hmm. that'll that'll help you make a good decision. I can't necessarily say, say you're going to always save money, but I, I look at value. Are you going to make a good decision? And when you're talking about, the dollars that go into owning and maintaining a home, saving money isn't always the best thing because sometimes that costs you money. Right. It's making good, solid financial decisions about what you're doing. Well, I really appreciate the time on the air today and my listening audience. Again, feel free to call me anytime off air, Greg McKim with Home Talk at 206-250-6545. This is the show where I cover everything that has to do with homes from soup to nuts. I air here on Tuesdays from 3 to 4, 11.50 a.m. KKNW. You can reach me at gregm at legacyg.com. That's the um, email for where I work, which is Legacy Group Capital, or go to our website, legacyg.com. And I wish you a wonderful day. And as we roll into the holiday season, I hope that everything that you dream of comes true. Thanks a lot for this. Oh, by the way, next week I've got a guest we got a few more minutes here, or are we almost cutting off? If you can tell us the guest real quick. Uh, we next week, that in. Next, next week, my guest is uh, an interior designer, and the next week after that is a home inspector, or vice versa. But here we go. Awesome. Okay. Goodbye, everybody.